Dr. Nicole Woodard joins in the com. Nicole is a doctor of physical therapy, a life coach, and the founder of Mobility Athletes. Sometimes we work so hard to build the life we think we want, only to get there and realize so much of what we've worked so hard for no longer aligns. We feel burnt out by the hustle culture and disconnected from ourselves. In this episode, Nicole shares her incredible story of finding herself, her family, and her truth at the point of complete burnout, what she thought was the peak of her career. We dive into Nicole's beautiful and heart-touching story of motherhood. She takes us along her long and painful and deeply vulnerable fertility journey, which ultimately led her to the path of co-mothering open adoption of her three beautiful children. In this episode, we explore the potential of these low, low, and high, high moments where you can learn to pivot, lean into surrender, and ultimately find joy in outcomes that just like Nicole, she never would have even imagined. Let's dive in. Welcome to End the Calm. I'm your host, Georgiana Alexander. Hello, my beautiful friend, Nicole. Welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. I am so excited to have you. It's been a hot minute since we've gotten to hang out in person. We actually, we met, gosh, it's so close to a year ago at a healing retreat that we were both on. And it was like just kindred spirits immediately. And you've just become such a beautiful friend in my life that even when I don't get to see you as often or talk to you as often, I know it's like we're always in sync when we catch up. It's like we're still on these parallels together. So this is going to be so fun to dive into your story. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I just love, I also love on our healing retreat how many projectors were there because it just felt (laughs) so synchronistic for all of us to be in the room together is gorgeous. Yeah, we, I think we all needed that. We're like, well, hey, this, this feels good, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're all like little weirdos in the same way. It's perfect. (laughs) I can't wait for everyone to hear all of the juicy things that you've come into in your life as you know, a mother, as a healer, as a doctor of physical therapy. And you've got so many stories along the way that really aligned you to such beautiful timings, to such an honor of your own story that I think is so important to share and for others to hear because a lot of times we think we have to subscribe to what's just out there when really there's always something deeper and more aligned for us calling us from the inside. So before we dive into any of that, can you kind of like just give us the origin of of you and, and how you found your way into physical therapy, into the life that you're in now? Well, I made a soul contract and decided to come to Earth. <laughs> yes. May 29th, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> your projector, human design. Exactly. What, exactly. what are your lines? I can't remember. Uh, three, five. Yep, oh, that's so right. Three, five. You and me um, and Jen are projector. all three fives. Yes. Yes. We're yes. Three yes, fives. yes. That, that's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I came, you know, and I was raised in a rural community. And one of the biggest things that I learned along the way was 
really my reputation really mattered. Living in a small community, everybody really knows who you are, what you've been up to, whether that's good or not so good. And so that was really my push. And I decided when I was 10 years old that I was going to be a physical therapist. It's really what a lot of people knew me as, and I never changed. And I ended up going to physical therapy school graduated. I loved what I got to do. I had so many amazing opportunities. So I worked at a division one university for six years. And then I transitioned after my son was born and built this huge sports program at one of our local hospitals. And, and then I decided to transition into full-time entrepreneurship in January of 2020. Yeah. Which anyone that knows, if you're in a service-based business where you're like, you need to see clients transitioning January of that was 2020. perfect timing to do so, right? Perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Um, per- it was perfect timing for a projector, right? Perfect timing for yes. someone that learned that I had to work really hard to be successful because then the world just shut down and it was like, oh, well, what do I do now? Because I don't have a traditional job anymore. Part of my business was online. So I knew that I could dive into that and I knew that I needed to make some changes. And so it just, all these like things just set up your life, whether it's been my fertility journey, our journey Mm -hmm. through adoption, the journey to become a physical therapist, my jobs and careers, how they were really painful to me. I mean, I suffered from a lot of job PTSD and the world really just sat me up to like, look at those things, look at those things, look at those things and make pivots and changes that really gotten me here to full-time entrepreneurship, full-time mom to three kids uh, and uh, full-time being me, which is honestly the most beautiful role that I could play in this life. You're just amazing. You just have this, this magic about you that, I mean, all of these components I can see, like it's, not only that you went through them, but I think in sharing your story, you give people permission to show up and like shift in their lives and physically, you know, emotionally, energetically, you're just such a gifted healer that we'll get into that too. Cause you literally have rainbows pouring out of you into people. We're going to dive into that as well, you know, but yeah, such an incredible journey. And I just love how starting at 10 years old, this was your journey. This was your path and you just stuck to it knowing that there was something in there for you, even though the structure that you set off into that, that society said, this is that structure. You're like, this does not work for me when you had to pivot, pivot, pivot. And and so many people, I think I know from my own career journey, you know, I've gone through those challenges as well as like PTSD from these different roles that you take on. You're like, this is what it's like. I just am not built for this. But you keep showing up for that inner calling because there's something pushing you towards doing it a different way. And you just have to keep chipping away until you find those pieces. Mm, Yeah. I remember laying in bed with my husband whenever I was working full time. And I, I specifically remember a conversation. I was crying and I said, why can't I be like everybody else? Why can't I handle this? What's wrong with me? I am a hard worker. I'm a good person. Like, why is this not working out? Like, why am I so unhappy? Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what you said. Like, I knew there was something in there for me. And I knew that the constraints that society had created for me didn't feel right. There was this massive misalignment that really just kept hitting thank goodness, like what I was born with, it didn't have the ability to shut it off. Like I tried and like that, those emotions would just build and build and build. And then it was like- I really think that's the three, five in us too, because I felt the same way. I just really felt like 
nothing felt quite right. Like I always felt wrong in situations, even though I was right in them. And from the outside, anybody looking in, it's kind of like people would think you have a perfect life or that you have these amazing opportunities or that you're living in this life of success. And on the inside, we're like, everything about this is wrong to anybody else. It's not built to just break down the mountain and rebuild it. They're not going to understand that. And so I completely understand that trajectory that you took in your life and what it meant to you. I do get calls from people saying, you know, I just feel displaced. And oftentimes they're three, five projectors. You know, I think I think they're just attracting. We're attracting to one another because it's like we're such this posse of people. And I feel like everyone can relate to this where there's just these places in your life that you don't know you know something is meant for you. You know something is out there and you just don't know how to find your way through. So what was that like for you? How did you keep finding that way through even after beat down, disappointment, discouragement, all of that? Honestly, I think it was just realizing that the really some of the greatest gifts that I was given in my life were also causing these really difficult things mm. because – Honestly, you know, I am gifted and I get this doctorate's degree, right? And I decide yeah. what I want to be when I'm 10 years old. To most people, that's like, holy crap. If I knew what I wanted to be when I was 10 years old and I did it and I got my dream jobs, like those are amazing opportunities. And I saw those opportunities and I also saw the discouragement in them. And it was the same for me, for motherhood, right? It was this long infertility battle. And mm. then it was having my children and adopting my children that really was like, wow, this is this amazing gift. And packed inside it was hardship. And yeah. packed inside of it was the need to find myself. And so I always say I was so grateful because that's how I moved through it is being able to see the gift, honor the gift, be grateful right. for the gift. And then ask the question of, okay, inside of this gift is all this dissatisfaction, frustration, and hardship. How do I really settle that part, heal that part, and be able to keep the gift? And the gift for me inside physical therapy was me as a healer and diving really deep into healing the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical body when really my skills originally only allowed me access to the physical body. That took away all of that hardship. That took away that frustration and it allowed me to move. Now I work with clients for like 90 minute to two hour sessions. They're gorgeous. <laughs> like I don't feel overworked. I see two clients a day, like no more because I want to have those deep relationships with people. And I just realized, okay, like I just set myself up in that way because there's other people that want that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful that you talk about being able to really look at the challenges as the gift. Because so many people try to run away from that. And that really is where our gifts are. Because without that challenge, without that shadow, we don't feel the pressure to change, to make changes, to, to push into the good stuff, you know, that's on the other side of that. So it's like you really have to have that as the catalyst or else you don't move forward. You know, you don't sit here in a sunny, like happy spot and think, I think I want to go make things really hard so I can see if there's something better on the other side. It takes us hitting the wall, you know, or hitting the ground, feeling like we're in the gutter, nowhere where to go before we can shift and elevate into something new. I just love yes. how you just have taken it on 
and really made it your own. And you have such a beautiful perspective that's come through this. Before we go into the healing side, I really want to talk about your fertility journey because you have shared this journey. And I just think it's such an incredible story. And it really comes from your perspective and your mindset. And I know so many women are fearful of feeling a sense of loss, of feeling a sense of failure in that area. You know, we really struggle as women with what our journeys look like, especially compared to what's the norm, you know, quote unquote, the norm. And there is no such thing as norm. We all have our own journeys. Sometimes we're in different timings. Sometimes things show up for us in different ways. And it is for our soul's alignment. But it's so hard to get out of that and really step into the trust of that. So can you share that story with us? Because it's just so beautiful. Yeah. I had the most amazing partner, my husband, and we decided as soon as we got married. And you guys um, met in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. We were best friends in high school. We started dating in college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew knew Um, this was like such a cute, I was like, oh, this is such a good story. And so we've been together since I was 19 years old and we decided as soon as we got married, because we felt like it'd been so long that we should start having kids. And so we immediately dove in and told everybody, oh my gosh, we're going to start having babies. It's going to be great. And then time just clicks by. Mm -hmm. And for any women that have experienced this, Even, I tell people this all the time, even if after the year, after the year and a half, after the two years, if you have a child, if you conceive a child, there is still this this pain that lives within you, right, that needs healing because you walk this path. And I remember people gave me so much advice during that year. You're just too stressed out. Don't be so stressed out and you'll have a baby. You know, uh, drink more milk. Go on this paleo diet. Go on a vegan diet. I once had sex for two times a day for 30 days straight, people. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I tried all of the things. Like, Which sounds really fun, up. but like when you're that stressed or it's not fun. <laughs> no, like not even a good time. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it was then 30 days of that, it was constantly looking and feeling, getting poked, prodded, going to the doctor, and the whole time feeling like I'm not fulfilling my role as a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm not fulfilling my role as a wife. And that was There's really so much hard. stigma around that this mm-hmm. is our purpose and it's meant to look just this way. And that's just not yeah. that's not the reality of our journey, of our purpose. And but we and- get really hung up on that because culturally in our conditioning, it's so prevalent. Yeah. And then you watch everyone else get it so easily, or at least how it I seems, perceived at the time it was easily. Like, yeah. You know? And so I saw friends of mine having children and I could not celebrate them. So I know at the beginning, you know, I was really sharing, like walking through these hardships and finding my biggest gifts, but it didn't come like overnight. It's not like I had this mindset shift. This was years for me for my fertility journey. I couldn't go to baby showers. I couldn't go shopping for my friends for baby shower gifts. When I did, I always bought two. So I had this box underneath my bed of all the things that I was like accumulating. And it was just, it sounds beautiful, but it was a reminder that I would look out of something I didn't have. And it was really painful. You were using it as Um, as a way to hurt yourself versus 
Yes. Yeah. Self-harm. Like, yes. That's um, self-harm. That is self-harm. And I, I thought if I hurt myself enough that I would get my goal. If I worked hard enough, if I saw enough doctors, if I did enough of the right things that I would get there. Mm-hmm. And because why not me? You know, why, why would, why would God not grant me this? I wanted it. I worked hard. I was a good person. Why would I not get this? Mm-hmm. And I really lived in that space for a long time. And we went through IUI. So this is like intrauterine implantation. And we are on our third round. And this is really where I had a wake-up call, very painful wake-up call. And I went to the doctor and something felt really wrong. I remember my insides quaking. I was really shaky. And this was my third round. I'd done other rounds before. The nurse came in and I said, something doesn't feel right. Is there any way we can do this on a different day and just sit this round out? She was like, I'm going to go get the doctor. The doctor came in and he said, I hear we have a very dramatic patient today. Oh, no. And I am immediately shut down because I I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted to be the good girl. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do the things I was supposed to do to get this baby that I was supposed to have. So I said, I I think I was just nervous. I'm fine. And we did it. And I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so when I got pregnant, I said, wow, how wrong was I? Man, like I can't believe that I thought something was wrong. And I was so excited six weeks later because you do blood tests whenever you're going through fertility journey. They track everything. Six weeks later on a Friday night, I got a call at about four o'clock that said, your blood test came back. You're going to have a miscarriage this weekend. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, you're going to have a miscarriage. Your blood results are off. And, and that was all they told me. And then they just got off the phone. And that's it. That's it. And my husband was supposed to leave. He was actually supposed to go on a bachelor party. And I was like, go, go. I don't need you. This is fine. Da, 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 da. And he was like, I am not leaving. You're going like, to force it. You're like, I'm going <laughs> to force it into being fine. And, you know. And so he stayed. And that weekend, not only did I have a miscarriage, but I ended up in the hospital. I called the number for my doctor and they told me essentially that I didn't understand what a miscarriage was going to feel like and that it was going to feel very painful and that I should just wait till Monday, till my appointment. And we waited. I couldn't sit. So I stood or was on my hands and knees for the entire weekend. And I knew something was wrong, like really wrong. We went to Monday to our appointment. I had an ectopic pregnancy that was had ruptured and was bleeding internally. Oh so I was rushed into surgery. And when I woke up from that surgery, I was a different person because I realized very quickly that I knew. I knew something was wrong. I knew that I shouldn't have done an implantation that day. I knew and I sat in a medical community where people didn't believe me, that I wasn't a person. I, my, I could not be trusted. And at the time that I was at, this poor girl, that poor version of me wanted something so bad that I stopped believing myself. And that was the biggest loss that I could have. That was bigger than a miscarriage. That was bigger than the really the understanding that even a lot of fertility treatments were no longer available to me. And so my husband and I walked away. We took a year off 
and really thought about what it was that we wanted and Mm -hmm. it led us to the road of adoption and that was like the first step of me starting to find myself and me finding power and being a woman and power of understanding and also power of being in the medical community in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you just have so many things like my heart just hurts for you for, for so many different reasons for that person, that, that young woman that was in these places. And not only did you want something so bad? I know a lot of people could hear that and think that it was that you wanted to be pregnant so bad, but what you wanted was to be liked, was to be mm-hmm. not rocking the boat. That was the thing that really, you know, led to not trusting your instincts. You knew. That is just so incredible. And all of this really, you know, I mean, is is hard and heartbreaking as that is, because even I think even when you go through these different procedures of these different processes. Like for my journey, I always wanted to have children. I've always wanted to to be a mom. And I, I did have a miscarriage really early on. It was very early on. And it was when I was married very young. And so in this process, this was like in the early 2000s, where people at that time there still wasn't a conversation that much around miscarriage or even fertility or things like that. So I felt very healthy. I didn't feel like, you know, I wasn't trying. I got pregnant. And I mean, like we were trying to get pregnant, but I wasn't trying for a long time. It just felt like, okay, this is a step. And I was listening to my body and my body. I knew I wasn't really, it's like I could see my life ahead. And I knew I had a gap of a life that I had a lot of work to do, a lot of healing to do, a lot to adventure that I just didn't feel was right for a child. But I was in this marriage with someone I really loved, but we weren't right to be married in a life that was really not right for me. It was like I was suffocating and my body knew and I was talking to this child because, you know, you you know this, my audience knows this. I'm an intuitive and a seer. And so I'm talking to this child and I can just see her and I'm like, she's not strong enough for the life I have to go through between now and where I get to be just myself in a more peaceful way. Mm. And she, so she miscarried really early on. And it was in that moment I could feel immediately the pregnancy. I could feel the lightness. I could feel the responsibility of caring and caring for. And it wasn't the responsibility of being a mother, being a parent. It was ushering in a soul and letting those lights shine that I knew the timing was not right in the world for me because I had such I had such a, a battle ahead of me, you know, like a battle within, mm-hmm. a battle without. But so during that time, just even the conversations around that, people, it's like they didn't validate even that experience. I can't even imagine with your experience, you know, it's like on all the different spectrum levels, what does it take for a woman for us to be validated for being women, you know, for our cycles, our natural progression of life, for our intuition, for our bodies, for knowing our bodies. It's just mind-blowing, like a story that you have, you know, so many people have so many different stories with their bodies. And a lot of the common thread that I hear around that is like the communities around them didn't support or didn't acknowledge. And now I think that that is shifting, but maybe not as much still in the medical community, you know, obviously with so many of the changes that we're seeing in our country at this time. There's a lot going on around this. Wow, I'm just so blown away by you knowing 
And then that, that as painful as that was, probably physically, emotionally, mentally, it was also the catalyst that drove you into yourself and really into your empowerment. Yeah. It's the first time I found myself. So it was the first time that I woke up and and just like we talked about, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever you want to look at it, it had to be that deep for me to move the needle. It had to be that deep for me to say enough is enough. Like I do trust myself. I do trust the life I want to build. I do trust who I am. And I'm not going to allow someone else, no matter how smart they are, no matter what, to tell me something different. And this is really where I adopted the approach that when I work with all my clients, I tell them this statement. I say, I know the human body better than you do. You know your body better than I do. Mm -hmm. It's why we make the perfect team. Mm -hmm. And we will never do anything that you don't feel comfortable with or that doesn't feel right to you because you know it better. Even if I say this has worked on 10 out of 10 people, if you're like, this doesn't feel right, you know. So again, it's just beautiful how my personal journey adopted also the type of practitioner and the type of healer that I became. And it, yeah, it was powerful. And a lot of women have this story, whether it's autoimmune diseases that are undiagnosed, right. chronic pain issues, fertility issues, this lack of listening, this shutting down, this disvalidation that happens. And those pieces are just so important that we look at our sisters, we look at our mothers, and mm -hmm. we just validate where they are, whether we understand it or not. We don't need to understand it just to say, wow, you feel that way. There's truth in that. And that's all we yeah. need to say. Yeah. To validate the truth. And I think that that's interesting going back to the fertility journey before we get into the really beautiful story mm -hmm. of your of your adoptions. But, you know, I recently heard this podcast episode. I know you you may have heard it. It's with Jenna Zoe that does the my human design. And we love, like you and I both completely geek out on human design. I love it. <laughs> but so, so she much. just had this podcast recently talking about and the new paradigm of what family looks like, of what fertility journeys, of what pregnancy, of what timelines look like. And I found it so interesting. It resonated so deeply with me because what she was saying was that our life expectancy is so much longer. And not only our life expectancy, but the density of the universe is so different than when a lot of the norms were first calculated as to what women's bodies can do, as to what our timelines are, as to what our journeys need to look like, as how, the, and even in everyone's life, not just women, but especially in women, we're talking about pregnancy, about families, about longevity, about our place in society as women. And that you know, we have a longer timeline that, you know, we don't check out at 30. <laughs> you know, like... Thank God. <laughs> She's like, come on. So she was telling how you have to listen to your own instincts and your own intuition about your life and journey. And that's something that I found really interesting because there wasn't a community around me really, you know, where it was spoken support of, oh, Georgie, you're doing things a different way. You know, I really wanted to be a mom. I had the miscarry early on and it really struck me that even though I really want a family, I want to get to be a mom, I knew I had a different journey and I had to be okay with what that looked like. And I had to go against the norm. And people see you as a single woman or, you know, at that point I was, I was getting divorced. And so I'm young, I'm a divorcee without children. 
And people have so many things to say about that. And I really didn't care because I, I knew so deeply in myself what was the right path, you know, and it was a divorce in love, like, and it didn't feel loving at the time, but also it was out of love that we needed different journeys. We needed different paths. And I knew that from that point until here, there really hasn't been a partnership that's felt right to bring children into, to have that like long committed relationship that I wanted in order to bring children into that family dynamic in the way that I really wanted to create that family. And now I'm kind of more open to what that looks like. You know, it's like family comes to us in so many different forms. We love and are loved by so many different people, places, and time. And so just to be able to surrender a little bit, and that doesn't mean to give up that vision of what you have for yourself, you know, of wanting to be a mom. Like for me, I still very much am excited to be a mom. I'm really excited to have a family and be a part of a family dynamic that feels home to me. And I completely trust what that looks like. You know, maybe I'm 80. I don't know. But but it's happening. Like I can feel it. It's a part of my timeline and I'm okay with it being in whatever time and place. I'll know the right answers for me. And I think there's so much empowerment in giving yourself permission to just ease up and trust what you're built for. And that really goes back to what you're saying with finding the empowerment of your intuition, you know, of trusting your body and that you needed this really stark, painful experience in order to push you into that trust. And it has completely changed the trajectory of your life in doing so. It gave you maybe the permission that you needed inside of yourself to surrender and let your journey unfold versus the idea of what your journey looked like. I agree wholeheartedly, like full surrender to the journey and also an, a deep understanding that I didn't have at that point about really the souls that are coming into our bodies as women like mm -hmm. holy moly like you're literally a portal for souls like yeah. that's whew. like first of all like that is just like a, a big deep breath moment right like yeah. because we think about having children and and I was just caught in a role of like that was something I was supposed to do and I wanted to be a mom and I didn't really see myself as a portal of another soul. And I didn't understand the impact of that and the contracts that are happening behind the scenes and spiritually what that means. And no matter how evolved you are, no matter how much your soul has like had this evolution and you've found your empowerment and all these pieces, you are literally selected because of the way you will condition and interact with your child. Mm -hmm. And some of those ways will be super positive. And some of those ways you're going to condition them about something that they're meant to heal about and in their yes. future. Yes. And that's a role that we all play. And so at the time, I wasn't meant to condition that child. It's kind of like what you were saying about your little girl that she wasn't meant to be conditioned in the way that she was going to be with you. And that's mm -hmm. okay. And my child wasn't meant to come on that journey with me at that point because and honestly, the they're still with us. Right. They're still like exactly. She's, she's been hanging around, you know, like enjoying the show. Oh, I just love so much that, that you um, that you like. I just love that you're a seer. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it like makes me so happy because it's a good reminder, right? That like it isn't done and that they're still there and supporting us, and we have all these things, and so. I think it's also just important to recognize that, that like you said, it doesn't mean your path's done. 
It's just another clue to like go inward, be with yourself. Like what else is on your journey? And just trusting and surrendering to that is a really beautiful process. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love that you brought up about the conditioning, both the positive and the challenging. You know, we're not going to say the negative because we all need our challenges, just as we talked about, to help push us into the evolution of ourselves. And so I think that that's another thing as women, as mothers, oftentimes I see moms judging each other for, you know, what they bring up. As women, we judge each other for like, oh, well, I would do it this way or this way would be better. But the truth is you don't know what those children needed to come in for, you know, and I can look in my own life and think there's a lot of challenges, different types of abuse, different ebbs and flow of light, like beautiful challenges and then really hard challenges as well. But each of those challenges, because of the perspective that I kind of came in from day one with, I was able to look at it through the lens of, wow, this is actually meant for me. And I could feel it and I knew it. And that somehow made everything different that even though the hardest things that would break my heart or split me into also had their purpose and felt good. And I'd have these little inklings. I mean, I was still throwing down on the floor, having like meltdowns and hissy fits and breakdowns. Same, same girl. Everything, it was ugly. <laughs> like there were some ugly moments. <laughs> I always tell people, I'm like, spiritual evolution, like sounds really beautiful once you've been through it. But when yeah. you're going through it, it's like literally in the closet, like bawling your eyes out, <laughs> hiding in the shower. Like it is not yeah. pretty. Yeah, no, I mean, it is not pretty. Honestly, there was one time I was crying so hard in a state of just complete out of body. I think I was even, I was like crying so hard. I was throwing up on myself and still crying and couldn't get off the ground. You know, it's like, it gets messy in this thing of life, but then there's so much beauty to who you get to be on the other side of that. And so you just get up, clean yourself up and keep moving forward. And, you know, all of that. But so I just love that you brought that element into the conversation to really honor all of the pieces of the journey and what that soul needs from where it's coming into. And I think that is the case, whether it's the birth mom or whether it's the mom that they connect to. And I love that you found that in your life. It was when you told me your story, I think I started just bawling because it was just like this knowing and this relief and this trust that activated in me. It's like this message that you share and that you activate in others by somehow the trust in the journey that you went on, you know. So tell us the next part of the story. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So the, the next part that really evolved is diving into adoption. So we decided that we were going to proceed in that way. And one of the most beautiful parts was all the education behind adoption. So I love learning about all things. So I read all the books. I like got on all the blogs and we went through our first adoption. So we had our first matching and we were with our first birth mom for seven months of her pregnancy. What was really profound is that we got the call. We went to St. Louis and this is the ugly part that we were just talking about. And we get there and when we park, we get a call that says, don't go into the hospital. Our birth mom has decided to parent. Our social worker wasn't there yet. So she said, just go get a hotel and I'll be in touch as time goes on. We really heard nothing. So we mm -hmm. were there for three days, no 
sort of information. Finally, I called and was like, hey, like what's going on? Like what what's what do we really need? And she said, you know, your birth mom has decided to parent. You can go home. Not only are we driving home with empty car seat, I don't remember. I don't remember leaving the hospital or leaving the hotel. My husband carried me out and he had to let the hotel know because I was pretty much like catatonic that like he wasn't kidnapping me that, you know, we were going through some stuff. And when we got home, I went to bed and I didn't cut out of bed for six days. And my husband came in on the sixth day and he crawled into bed with me and he said, no matter how long it takes you, I will lay here with you. I will support you. Whatever you need from me, I'm here for you. And can you please shower? You scared. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did, right? I started cracking up laughing despite myself. And it moved this energy in me where I was like, oh my God. I mean, I was like sour girls, like, like all the stress, sweat, and then you're just like crying and you're bundled up and you're sweating and like, oh, it's just nasty. And I, I laughed and that's when I realized that I could like move again and it would, it would be okay. And that's whenever I started following birth moms. So that was whenever I realized that I had an expectation. We lost about $15,000 in that process. And I had an expectation that on the other end of that $15,000 was a child, another mother's child. And that is not the type of contract I wanted to be in with another woman because I knew what it was like not to have my child sitting in front of me anymore. Mine was a miscarriage, but that doesn't change that pain. So I started learning and educating myself about the type of mother that I wanted to be and how I wanted to share motherhood with another woman. That brought us to my first son's adoption and just a beautiful relationship that I have with his birth mom. We're very close. We spend a lot of time together. We have a very open adoption. And how did you guys find one another? And after just going from that first experience where it sounded like you had no idea that that was even the possibility that that could even happen to then how did you find Aiden's birth mom? Yeah. So we got connected through an attorney and she got connected through a nurse practitioner at her OBGYN and she was interested in adoption for her circumstances. And then we were actually with her for seven months as well, which is like beautiful. We were her birth coaches, which is really unusual. So uh, when Aiden came out, I cut the cord and we were a part of this beautiful process with her. We went to all the doctor's appointments and she really shared motherhood with me too, right? She had all, I got to have all the experiences that I hadn't gotten to have. And that was so healing for me. So you both needed each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there was hardship. I mean, there was a lot of things that unfolded. I keep my children's stories pretty private because Mm -hmm. they will get to know more and more as they get older and can process and understand. So I don't want to paint this beautiful picture that like Hallmark paints because that's not what it looks like. It Mm -hmm. is hard. There 
are things and emotions on both sides that are happening that have to be communicated and talked through. And we went through a particularly hard time and where we didn't know if Aiden was going to stay with us or not. And um, there was a lot of friction happening there. And I, I, I called and I told her, I said, no matter what happens in this situation, I will love you. I already love you because you're Aiden's mom. And I will never tell my child a story of anything but love. And I meant that with my whole heart. It wasn't some fluff. That, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything because also she wanted love. She wanted validated that her story is a hard one mm-hmm. and that someone saw her and someone cared. Then now we're, you know, we've adopted Maddie, who's 18 months old. And same relationship with her birth mom. And then Maddie came. Also, she had a full biological sibling who was 14. He's now 15. So he moved in. Um, So I have a 15-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 1-year-old. Two birth moms that we have great relationships with. And a world of women supporting women, even in the hardest situations. Seeing and loving all the parts that we see without judgment. And that's, that's a beautiful story. Yeah. And and tell the story about the timing of, I just want everybody to hear because your timings of trust are so incredible. Like just, and it's so hard. I know it's been not the easy journey, but just where you have these moments and these timings that just everything click into place so beautifully. Talk about the timing. So tell, yeah, tell the story about Maddie and then how her biological brother, Braxton, came into your lives. This just blew my mind when you were telling me this. So I told myself, we've been waiting. So we started the adoption process again when Aiden was just turned three. So we've been waiting and we actually had a, another failed at-home adoption. So we brought home a little boy, G, and after four days, his birth mom decided that she opted to parent. So we drove him back and that was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so after that, we gave ourselves, I said, 18 months is where we're at. And if it's not meant to happen, then I'm ready to move forward because I could see other things in my life as well. And I knew Mm -hmm. that everything would be perfect. And so, yeah. So, and I never thought I would have a girl. So anyone that's in the adoption world is very rare to adopt a girl. It's like one to four. So usually boys are adopted and usually girls are parented. And so it, it's Why very Why is that? That's very – never, I've never heard of this. Why? Is there like a reason behind that or – Society. Okay. Especially Western society. Yeah, okay. there's this idea that every mom wants a baby girl and that's oh. very tied. Yeah, it's very interesting. But something that kind of happens in the adoption world. And so – 14 months into our thing, I'm like already thinking this thing's like done, right? I mean, we had set kind of some parameters that were more difficult in the adoption world, but they felt very in alignment for us about like not paying birth mother expenses because we would help them find resources. 
That's also very rare. And so, but we didn't want there to be a tied obligation. So it's really hard to find a match with some of those specifications. And then we get a call from one of my friends and she goes, so do you still want to adopt a baby? And I'm like, well, yeah. Her caseworker, so she's a foster mom. Her caseworker had brought home her son and I was like, hey, do you guys want to adopt a baby? Because I just had a meeting about some other children and her sister is having a baby and wants to do an adoption. And I don't know how to do an adoption. Like we do foster care. I have no idea what to do. And she was like, well, we don't want a baby, but our best friends do. So she calls me and gives me the number. I call the number. I'm like, hey, I, you know, obviously we're interested, but also like I can walk you through the process. They can give you all the names for connection. So even if we are not a good fit for her, mm-hmm. you can help her find the resources that she needs. She calls me the next day on FaceTime and Mama Katie is there and she's like, yeah, let's talk through this. We talk for like 40 minutes. She's like, all this sounds good. Okay, the baby's due in 12 days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Your so timings. Maddie was born. Your timing. 12 days later, it was crazy and gorgeous. And then through our open adoption, we got to know Maddie's full biological older brother because we were able to see him in person. And he was living with his great grandma, who's, oh my gosh, just the most beautiful soul. And she just asked us if we would ever be willing to consider, you know, him being a part of our lives as well. And so he could be more involved. He wanted to do more sports and just a lot of things that are very difficult for an 84-year-old. So he came into our lives and moved in four months after Maddie was born. So we added two kids in four months. months. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, no, just kidding. The universe has your other plan lined up for you. Yeah. Yeah, the universe wanted still that uh that baby clearly I was meant to have a teenager and get pregnant when we very first started I just had to wait that soul came through another body for more exactly (laughs) and so yeah that's oh it's it is amazing it's a beautiful beautiful story and adoption has blessed me so much I love talking about it I love sharing with other people because like I said I think the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Network, one makes it seem like really easy and like beautiful and blissful at all times. And like, there's not these difficult things you need to be aware of. And the other one makes it seem like there's like all this crazy stuff that happens that in reality doesn't really happen. I love bringing the reality of how beautiful it is to share motherhood and to create very different family dynamics. And that there's purpose and alignment and your right souls find you and come to you regardless Mm -hmm. of the steps, the process, like when you know that that's your calling, the right people, the right places, the right circumstances, when you're open to it will show up in your life. I mean, you're just such a beautiful testament to that. It's incredible. Oh, I just love this story so much. I want to ask you too, because I'm curious with the healing side of your work, with the intuitive nature of your work, did that begin to shift as you stepped into motherhood or where did that kind of come into the mix? Because you had this big awakening with stepping into your empowerment and intuition and how did that unfold for you in the mix of all of this? Motherhood. <laughs> for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Caveat. Wide um. open. 
wide open and specifically the pain of a mother, right? There, there's so many pains, right? I dealt with the pain of infertility, the pain of sharing motherhood, the pain of watching. There's a quote that I love that honestly I speak of all the time when I speak of adoption and it is the child of another mother calls me mom and Mm -hmm. the tragedy and the beauty of that will never be lost on me. That to me spoke so strongly. So seeing another, another woman's pain and really paying testament to that and not negating it and Mm -hmm. sitting in it and being comfortable to be in that person's pain, to listen to them, to honor them. And so all of those things, and then it was the pain of being a working mother, you know, these connotations of that never get titled with fathers. There's no working fathers. I've never heard that. Like there's a lot of working mothers. So that lit up a whole nother thing, right? I've waited, you know, 10 years. You made a huge shift into entrepreneurship, like in the middle of it, because you had a fast family, like all of a sudden you have, you have the full spectrum of teenager to baby, three kids in the span of how many how many years? So Aiden was seven. So we and we adopted Aiden at birth. So we'd had him for seven years. Got so it. So he was okay. an only child for seven years. Okay. And then okay. <laughs> within the span of four months, like so, then we had like a what like a four year break, three year break, and then within the span of four months, we added two children. Poor two Aiden. Children. He became a middle child. Poor Aiden. I- and <laughs> he's so adorable God too. And they. Kid. Yeah. So Aiden was the reason I shifted out of the division one university and went and took another job. And Aiden specifically was the reason why I left and went into entrepreneurship because he was struggling. He was struggling in school. He's a generator and he also is one of his strong channels is the fighter channel. So he is yeah, like you can meant see, to like... be fiercely independent. He's got <laughs> one, red one hair. Yeah, I... Every bit of his soul animates this fiery, driven, excited personality. There's just so much life force coming off of this, this little guy. You know, United States schools aren't really set up for that. Right. right. I'm like, right. he will be so successful as an adult, but right now is a struggle for him. And he was sick a lot. And every time I, you know, I share this now and it's hard for me to say this out loud. So I was the mother that everyone talks about that doses their kid with Tylenol to send them to school, to send them to daycare, because I was also getting written up at work for missing too much work. I knew, okay, if I can get him through half a day and then I can come and get him, then I don't get written up at work because I can get through all my patients. I can move things. Everything will be fine. I was constantly playing this Russian roulette and I was completely dissatisfied, very stressed, driving 70 miles per hour to get to him. And this is not interstate. These are like country and town roads to get him so that I'm not late he was going to daycare at 5.30 in the morning. I was picking him up at 5.30 at night, coming home and I'm exhausted and I have no time with my child, nor do I want to like be in his presence. He's a fireball, man. I'm a projector. I'm tired. I need to like (laughs) take a 14 hour nap before I can go to work. A 14 hour nap is real. That's real. (laughs) And he needs me, right? He needs me. And so I just decided that like, this isn't what I want to do. I was in the middle of a huge project. You know, I was really given a blueprint and a facility that was my dream. I was over a department of people that I like loved that cared so much about. 
I was working with the type of people that I wanted to, middle school, high school, college athletes. It was gorgeous. And I walked away. I just, I said, I can't do this anymore. I can share that story, but I paid witness to someone else losing their life. And Mm. that tragedy woke me up again. So Aiden was already pushing on the door, just making me realize motherhood, it was something I was meant for. And I was like, I don't know if I can cuss on your show, but I was half-assing it. Like (laughs) I was half-assing it. And and I didn't want to do that anymore. And then I was at an Ironman event in Ohio and a woman was in front of me on the bike and she had a bike for a semi-collision on the course and she lost her life. I took three weeks off of work. I tried to go back. I couldn't. So I put in my resignation and I walked away from all of it because I realized that someone was at the prime of their fitness, getting through a race, having a great day with their teammates. And they didn't go home that day. Mm -hmm. They didn't go home to their spouse. They didn't go home to their friends. They didn't go home to their purpose. So their purpose better have been fulfilled. I realized that my purpose as a healer was not being fulfilled. And my purpose as a mother was not being fulfilled. The only purpose that I was doing was hustling. And I was hustling for money. I was hustling for people liking me. I was hustling for my reputation. And none of that matters. They don't yeah. write on your grave, world's best hustler. They don't. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not fulfilling either. As glorified as the hustle is, especially in our culture, there's a lot of us that aren't built for that hustle. It doesn't matter how much hustle we show up for if we're not radiating our purpose and in alignment with our lives, there will never be fulfillment, joy, success, satisfaction. Like no amount of money will ever, ever, ever give us that. Even though we both like money, we love material things, we love travel, nice things, all of us, right? But, and I think (laughs) you're making the money, making the dollar cents. There's like a place for that hustle in the passion of what you like, but when you're just hustling for things that don't align to you for all the wrong reasons, it's going to tear you apart. What an incredible wake up that someone else's life ending gave you. You saw that and it probably took seeing that outside of you in a race that you loved. You loved getting out and racing and you loved being a part of those triathlons, right? Not my thing, but I know you love it. (laughs) You've done like hell on the hill, all these things. We talked about that. But just seeing in that moment, that probably was even more to your core than probably something happening to a family member because it was that person that was doing something that they loved in a moment they loved it. And then everything in your life was screaming at you to make changes. So how did that transition not only into entrepreneurship, but with your intuitive journey and into healing? Because you're such an incredible healer. You're such a deep and powerful healer. You've done some work with me and it was amazing. Yeah. So then it was starting to get into the mental body. So then I started with NLP and I started with (laughs) tapping and hypnosis. And so I went from the physical body to like the mental body. And I was like, oh, I love how these like tie in together. 
I got so lucky because Jen Casey, our mutual friend, yes. has been one of my mentors for since 2017, which is just beautiful. Amazing. And watching her go through her spiritual awakening kind of guided me. You know, she was just in my periphery. So I was able to see and watch and be like, oh, wow, like there's more to waking up than just listening to my intuition. There's some other deeper things here. And so started going on a lot of transformational retreats, which is how we met. And specifically at the transformational retreat that we were at, I just had this moment where I was wailing, 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 wailing. There's no other word for it. Mm. For the pain of the mother, I realized then, and it's just grown since then, that my hands and my body, my voice were meant to heal and facilitate healing in the body. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize what led me to NLP was people laying on my mat and I would be doing physical therapy, manual physical therapy. And they would start sharing with me stories about being raped, mm-hmm. stories of child molestation, stories about abortions. I didn't realize at the time the reason they were sharing those is because I was a healer and I was a vessel that could hold and release that, that I was touching parts of their body that were painful. I have chronic headaches. I have neck pain. I have stomach pain. My hips are always tight. I'm releasing all of this. And then they start sharing their journeys, their stories. In the moment of wailing for the mother, all those ties went. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it was a powerful weekend. Yeah. It was very powerful. (laughs) I mean, I came back and I mean, you know this, like it was so powerful that I came back and within two months dismantled my entire business and took four months (laughs) off to go in and be like, to be fully embodied, to be Mm -hmm. a full healer. For me specifically, I needed the break. So some people are like, oh, you just start integrating in pieces. I'm like, oh, I can't. Like, this is a hard stop for like where I'm at, just like quitting my job, just like you know, deciding not to continue with like in vitro, all these things. I needed the hard stop to like listen and then become the identity and the person that I had always been, the person that was in me that I just needed to step into. But I needed that hard differentiation or else I couldn't move in that direction. That was just what was right for me. And that makes sense. And that was my journey to be a healer. Yeah, you're a person of structure. So you know the foundations that you need in your life even if they don't make sense to someone else, like you know what you need in order to build the foundations for your success. For projectors, we're built to understand the structures of how we need to build things, of how things work for us. And oftentimes that doesn't look like what other people would show up as. So you needed to take several months off. I needed to take the time in my business to rebuild foundations so that it can run more smoothly in a way that doesn't need me to pour in energy every single day. I needed systems and structures so that I can elevate into my seer, you know, high level viewpoint, vantage point to run what it is that I'm doing without draining me into the operational day-to-day things. So it makes complete sense that you needed to reset that. And just to go back and speak to that moment, I mean, I feel really honored that I was there in this moment for you at that retreat where you're just like, busting this open because I was there for the wailing and I was there when you, you know, you came up to me and said, I just feel like I want to 
put my hands on you and heal you like you were going to give me a massage. And you, first of all, I don't know that I told you this, but I never let people touch me for healing. I'm so sensitive that I'm very, very, very particular Mm -hmm. of who I let put their hands on me. Like I'm very huggy and like I love to connect with people. But in terms of healing energy, I'm really cautious because I am so sensitive that I'm going to be picking up so much of their information, even when I block it or like set healthy boundaries. And so for you, it was just an automatic yes. And I felt safe in your space. And I think that when you were just going to this part of the story first of like when you put your hands on me and started you were doing a massage to my neck and to my back and I was laying on my back mm-hmm. and I, I have vision so I can see energy as it's moving. And it was just rainbow. It was just streams of very high frequency rainbow going into my body and my whole body was humming. And just it was the first time I feel like in a healing that someone was able to channel energy of pouring energy into me that was a frequency vibration match to what's aligned to me, which is very, you know, like I said, it's not happened. Like people haven't shown up in my life that really can match that high frequency that resonates for me, that makes everything hum inside of me. And also that you unlocked something in my neck that immediately was like, I was like, oh yeah, that was really old stuck stuff in there. You know, that was like an old trauma stuck in there. And you're like, you've got something stuck here and you did something to my neck and then it just like came right out. And it was like that. So it's incredible that of course it makes sense to me from witnessing that and how natural it was to you that all of these people are showing up because the world is awakened, right? Like people are awakening and needing deeper, more connected resources. So it's like they're thirsty and seeking the watering hole. They're like coming to you because even your touch and your openness to, to understanding that universal language, that, that healing language of energy, of being, and the way that our minds, bodies, spirits, and energetic all align, whether you knew it at that time or not, they were coming to you because they could drop the weight of all their traumas and their suffering. You aren't afraid of it. And not only are you not afraid, you understand innately how to alchemize that and how to help people shift that. And so it's so beautiful that you stepped into that, especially with your background of physical therapy. So the physical and then the mental, and then you fully are like, oh, now I get it. It's the full package. Okay. But then it took this, this process for you to really open up to the whole picture of it. And that's a process that everybody goes through in their healing journey too, right? Like we start out and it's, oh, I have headaches. Oh, I want to lose weight. Oh, I want to run a 5K. Like we start out very in the physical body, right, where it's (laughs) things are happening. And then all of a sudden we come up against either mental gremlins, like this negative self-talk or even environmental, just like like resistance. All of a sudden you want to run a 5K and then the day before the race, you sprain your ankle and something else is happening. And then your mental says, well, should I sign up again? Is this the right thing for me? Will I ever be good at this? And you run through all these things. Then sometimes people never get there of like, now there's just this other layer of all of that was created really by our emotions, by our spiritual, by ourselves to create evolution, to create growth, to create enough friction for change. 
And so it's so fun because I'm like, oh, this is the exact progression I went through personally, professionally. And it just went step by step by step by step. And I'm like, oh, that's fun because that's usually what people come to me for. And luckily at the beginning, I was like, I never want to be a physical therapist again. That wasn't true. I just was so traumatized by traditional PT and working in that atmosphere that I didn't know how to take that and be a profound healer. So I thought that I just had to then be in the spiritual body, Mm -hmm. which also wasn't true. Like, right. it's like, oh, I need all of it, like, painted together. <laughs> I need wholeness in my treatments and in myself. And so now, like, again, I just came back to work about four or five weeks ago now and have stepped in into this wholeness and this wholeness of what I'm treating and how I have conversations with people. The results are insane. Like, it, it's been so fun watching clients grow, watching myself grow. And it it's so easy. It's so minimal. It's so easy. It's so peaceful. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I just, I love hearing this and you just have the best questions. Like you are that projector. You're like the quintessential projector. You'll ask me things sometimes that I'm like, oh, like, ooh, that gets really deep. You know, it's like you'll ask me something and I love it. And then I think one time or two, you maybe asked me something that I was like, what? You asked me. And then it took me like a split second. I was like, oh, I like that. Okay. You know, but I had to like get over that I'm not used to being seen so deeply or directly spoken to for the thing that maybe I wasn't sure I was ready to let go of. You know what I mean? And you just speak to that without even, it's not even an effort for you. You just like show up and you're like, hey, so let me pose a question for you. And you say it so nonchalant and then it just gets to the core juiciest thing that needs to be said or seen or looked at. And I feel like you do that in the physical therapy, you do that in the healing, you do that in your languaging. And it's just so beautiful. Oftentimes we try to compartmentalize who we are and how we show up. And we think that that's the answer. I know even I've lived that way. And everything inside me was just screaming to show up and say, no, you have to be the whole thing. I've been restructuring my life these last few years of really owning outwardly who I am. I've always owned who I was on the inside, but really showing up and sharing that because that's a big part of our stories too, is sharing who we are, letting it shine because we a piece of the fabric that we're here to create, right? The fabric of our collective. And so in that collective, it's so important that we show up and and let our shine be seen so that we can contribute that light. I just love that you're doing that. It's something that I've noticed in my life I want you to speak to because I know you have a beautiful answer to this is, you know, with the physical work, a lot of people will show up and want to like lose weight or talk about, okay, I need to put this new practice into place, right? Like the way I eat, I need to heal my hormones. I need to heal my body. I need to push it harder. I need to work harder. And I've even subscribed to that in a time or two thinking, oh, well, maybe as I'm getting older, that's something I need to do. I was recently experiencing a lot of inflammation and I just couldn't figure out. I'm like, okay, what, what's the root here? Like what's happening you know, and it didn't seem to matter what I was eating, what I was pushing. And I I had to sit back from all the noise because now I feel like there's so many solutions to our health that's being just like, it's static, it's loud, it's inaccurate. And it's, you know, it's not personal and it's not intuitive. So 
I had to disconnect from that. And at first I was giving it credit thinking, oh, maybe there's something new that I haven't thought about before or I didn't tune into before. And so I was like, oh, uh, maybe I need to do it that way. And then I got real with myself. I was like, Georgie, you're into, like, you need to sit down and listen to your own intuition. And when I did that, I realized what was causing the inflammation was me carrying a lot of other people's emotions and stress, especially coming out of the whole pandemic. My body was still carrying a lot of the noise of all of the pressure and the stress and the emotion and all of that and had to sit and do some healing work around letting it all go. And the inflammation subsided immediately. And it wasn't even, it wasn't about the physical. For me, it almost always comes down to the emotional and the mental. If I'm stressed or there are emotions that either aren't mine or that I haven't dealt with that are coming up for me, that's where I don't see changes, where I hit walls or I start getting sick or having health issues. And so I want you to speak to that because I, I do, obviously, the physical is really important, but I just always find it fascinating that in my body, it's 99% going to be the emotional or the mental first. Yeah. So this is, again, goes back to the thing that I tell everyone. I know the human body and even the human neurology. So your brain and how it connects better than most people and better than all the clients that come to me. They know their brain and their body better than I ever will. So step one, though, is that figuring out how to listen because there is mm -hmm. so much noise and so many solutions out there that I will just ask people questions. So just like you were saying about the questioning. So I will just say, let's take, for example, the, the person that wants to start running a 5K. So that's what they come to me for. They're like, I want to start running a 5K and I think – my past rendition was mobility. And I think that I need more mobility and stretches so that I don't get hurt. Cool. Or I want to run a marathon, whatever. And I say, awesome. Okay. What's making you want to run a marathon? And like, well, I feel like running is really good for weight loss. And I'm getting older. I notice I'm like carrying more belly fat and like, mm -hmm. I just want to start running. Oh, okay, cool. What is it about carrying extra weight that's like bothering you? Oh, well, I like don't feel attractive. None of my clothes are fitting. And I just know that I have a hormone problem. Oh, okay. If you know that you have a hormone problem, how do you know that you have a hormone problem? Well, I can just tell because I'm like gaining all this weight and I'm over 40. And I'm like, oh, okay. So what other things are like happening in your life? Oh, I'm tired all the time. Okay, what do you do for those solutions? Just keep going like deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And mm -hmm. eventually we get to this point where people start revealing things like, well, you know, I just really don't feel like my spouse was attracted to me anymore. Oh, I don't really feel like if I keep gaining, what if I keep gaining weight? And I'm like, well, what if you keep gaining weight? And they're like, well, then like I won't look good. Well, what will happen if you don't look good? I won't have any friends. My kids won't like me. My spouse won't like me or my significant other or I'll never find a significant other. And then all of a sudden you realize that it's about other people's expectations of what their mm -hmm. body looks like. And then they're trying to outrun themselves, literally <laughs> <laughs> running, trying to outrun themselves and their need 
And I'm like, well, if I told you no matter what, that you would be 140 pounds, no matter what, like, let's just say that that's our goal number. No matter what, you'd weigh 140 pounds and you could do anything you want. What would you choose to do? And they're like, oh, well, I would take a nap and (laughs) I would like definitely probably just do like yoga, nothing else. And I and I'm like, oh, okay. well, what kinds of like food would you eat? And they're like, oh, chocolate. I'm like, oh, cool. How often would you eat chocolate? And they're like, I'm like, you have unlimited like you're never going to gain a pound. They're like, oh, it's unlimited. I don't know. Like once or twice a week sounds fun. Cool. All of a sudden you realize that like their body had all of the answers. But someone has to ask the right questions rather than just assuming that someone comes to you. If someone comes to me and wants to lose weight. Awesome. Like, If I'm not the best resource for them, I've got 15 nutritionists that I love and respect and like, they'll be great. Mm -hmm. And is that really what you want? Is that really the core of the problem? Or is your weight covering up something that you don't want to deal with? Which is usually what happens when we carry excessive weight. We're hiding something about ourselves and our body literally thinks if I add more layers, I'll get there. Hormone issues, the same thing. It's what you just said. There are a thousand solutions out there. There are coaches, there are doctors, there's tons of them. And I would say most of them will work. If they didn't work for at least one person, they wouldn't exist. So they've worked for someone. And if you don't understand what the buy-in is and you're still hiding from yourself and you just want to throw another solution on top of it, it doesn't matter if it's worked for 100% of people. It won't work for you. And that's where women get disappointed. That's where they're seeking happiness. They're seeking acceptance. They're seeking connection. And they will never find it because they think they're going to find it inside of another nutritionist, inside of hormone testing, inside of supplemental estrogen. And they're not going to find it there. They feel really lost because now they've invested a lot of time, a lot of money, and maybe even harmed their body. And And it comes back to, I think, learning the language of your intuition just as what we were talking about, you know, learning the language. That's what you've brought full circle with everything that you've learned and everything that you've gone through and how your life has brought you challenges to like crack you wide open, right? Like the core of that theme is self-empowerment, intuition, trusting yourself, letting yourself be whole. I love that. I just literally wrote down learning (laughs) the language of your intuition. That's like, I'm like oh, my next program <laughs> because that is it. That is it. It's just, it's just learning what your voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's multiples, right? Sometimes something in you, the little girl needs healed. Sometimes the teenager needs healed. Sometimes the teenager is the one that needs to talk because you need to get a little mouthy about whatever's going on. And, mm. you know, it's just <laughs> accepting all of those parts of ourselves. You know, Brene Brown talks about like finding yourself. And I think she says some of the things in the most beautiful way of like that I believe when you find your intuition, this is what you find. And she said, I used to be sweet. I'm no longer sweet, but I'm much more loving now. And that's how you know that you found your intuition. When you outpour love from within yourself, but maybe people wouldn't describe you as, oh, she's so sweet. What a sweet girl. That might not be how people describe you anymore when you stand in your power, but you're much more loving. You're much more clear. Oh, yeah. You ruffle feathers. That's for sure. You ruffle a lot of feathers when you stand in your power. That's why it's so important because you're pushing back on the conditioning and you're showing up in what's truth. And there's a lot of mistruth 
running rampant, a lot of components that keep us disconnected from what that empowerment and that intuition looks like. And, you know, just as you found in the medical system when you were going through your fertility journey and then the loss of how your truth was discredited. And it really comes back to it's not anyone else's right to name your truth of what's right for you. It's your right. I think you're calling, like, you know, you have to show up for it. I think it's each of our responsibility to stand and find our own truth and intuition. And it's also our right to our truth and intuition. And in those places is where we find the best way to eat. We find the best way to family, the best way to live our lives, the best way to parent all these pieces, right? It's like we came here with the full working knowledge of all the house. We just have to learn that language and understand it. Amazing. I have loved your journey. Okay, so we could just keep going because that is just who we are. But for the sake of everyone listening, let me ask you if there's anything that you would like to share just with everyone listening that may be in a moment of mistrust with themselves, what would you share to keep them going or to help them find the courage to show up that you've found along the way? When you feel that mistrust happening, especially in the very beginning, it can be hard to know if you need to believe that person or not. And so the first thing to do is to check in with your physical body. When you feel that churning in your stomach or I have like quaking or something's heavy on your chest, it's difficult to swallow. Those can be cues to you. Find your cues that let you know at the very least, I need to step away from this, like step away from this person and just process by myself for a second. That's step one. Listen to your body cues because your body's going to tell you when something's off. So find what those are and then just ask for permission to step away. So if you're at the doctor's office and they tell you something, if you're going to have a procedure that day, just say, hey, I need to go to the restroom or I need to go make a phone call. I just realized I need to do whatever it is. Ask for a private space and take five minutes and just check in with yourself. Let the other energies fade away. Check in with yourself. If you're still coming back to the same thing, then just walk away and put space. There is literally no decision that you're going to make that is going to have major negative ramifications. And if you're listening to your intuition, it's probably going to have more positive ramifications. And when I say negative, what I mean is like disastrous ramifications. Like for example, if I would have said no in the doctor's office to getting implanted that day, they would have charged me the money and either they would have canceled me as a patient or I would have just come back the next month. There would have been no nothing disastrous that would have happened that would have all of a sudden now I can't become a mother or, you know, any of those pieces. But that's what we think in our mind. That's where we go. So that's really the advice that I would leave with people is come into your physical body, start identifying what it feels like, and then just ask for permission to leave the other energies and to make a decision on your own. Step one, and really the most crucial step. I'm not going to add any steps from there because once I do, like <laughs> once you do that, you'll have all the other you steps. The like, other answers. You'll, you'll have everything. <laughs> you know what you need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all kind of lines up from there. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah, it that does. Powerful. Then, yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on here. I'm going to connect in the show notes 
the ways, all the many ways for people to connect with you, to work with you, to find you, to love you more as well. And so you guys check out the show notes for all the ways to connect with Nicole and her beautiful journey and her powerful work. Thank you, my love, for being Mm. here. Thank you so much for letting me share.